standing as I read the word to your spirit and to your heart. And then we'll be, de- uh, be seated in just a moment. In John chapter 5 and verse 1, it says this, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So now he begins, right? He's starting into Jerusalem. He says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Everybody say Bethesda. Having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed waiting for the moving of the water for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred stirred up the water then whoever stepped in first everybody say i'm gonna be first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease that he had now a certain man was there who had infirmity for 38 years and when jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already had been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? That's the question for all of us today. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise. Everybody say rise. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well well and he took up his bed and walked lord i thank you god lord that you healed him on the sabbath you broke the rules for me you broke the rules for him god you're going to break the rules you're going to confound the wise you're going to do the impossible there's a miracle that's going to be outside of the realm of what we are used to and it's going to be something unconventional that you are going to do just for us and i thank you that there's an unconventional blessing coming for somebody there's an unconventional miracle coming for somebody there's an unconventional message and answer that's coming for somebody today and lord i thank Thank you, God, for the word that you have us here for today, for such a time as this to receive all that we need. And Lord, I pray that you'd anoint me to preach your word and for the assignment in which you have me here for. In Jesus' name, all who are ready to receive shouted a good amen. Amen. All right, all right. You may be seated. You may be seated in this wonderful atmosphere and presence of God. So excited to be back from Israel Uh, with all of you. We had a phenomenal time. We took 32 uh, people to Israel and it was our first time leading a trip and we got there and back with no problems, no issues. Nobody went to jail. Nothing crazy happened. Nobody has coronavirus. We are good. This is awesome. And so it's a, that's a miracle of God in itself because last time one of our church members took a trip to Israel, they got arrested because she forgot that her husband had stowed a gun in one of her check-on bags. And so in the bag, like it made it from, this is the, the crazy part, it, in the checked bag, it made it from Flagstaff to Phoenix, Phoenix to New York. So that gun made it all the way there. And then when they were about to go to Israel, you go through a whole new check and security stuff. And so they rechecked her bags. They They locked her up, this poor lady, and she had to find a whole new route to Israel days later. It was crazy. Luckily, we were able to get her there. But that's what I mean when I say we got there and back with absolutely no issues. That is a wonderful blessing, especially for our first trip. We had an incredible time. And I want to show you a couple of pictures. Do we have a couple of those big pictures, those beautiful ones of Jerusalem? 
Oh, there you go. That's a beauty. We did ride that donkey, or the donkey. The, good Lord. Go back. Go back. We did ride that camel. Good Lord. Maybe jet lagged just a little. Uh, that camel. Gosh. Uh, there's our groove right there. We had an incredible time. Uh, and there's the dome on the rock. This is the eastern wall, so you understand what this is. The western prayer walls on the backside. This is the southern steps. So when you read in the Bible, the southern steps, the southern gate. That's where this is. The eastern gate. Show me the next picture because I think it has a better view. Uh, no, 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 no. The, the other one with the dome on the rock. There, that one. Uh, so this, with the dome on the rock, this is the eastern gate. So over here, Mount Olives, okay? Mount Olives right here. This is the eastern gate. So when Jesus comes back, the, the Messiah, he'll come from Mount Olives, and he'll go through the eastern gate right here. And this is a huge burial ground right here because everybody is fighting for position for the first one because they're either believing this is just Christians, Muslims, and Jews that are fighting for a position because they all believe, whether it's the first or the second time, like you and I believe, that Jesus... The Messiah is coming through here. And so this is a beautiful picture. So we got to see that. I can't wait. We're going to go again in 2022. And I'm not going to show you the 338 slide presentation today with all those pictures and stories. But I do want to teach on a powerful story. So will you go to the Pool of Bethesda? I want to show you this. So this is one of the pictures of the Pool of Bethesda. And this is hard to make out, but it's out, uh, it's out a little outside of the, or what we just saw. But when you see this, what it represents is there was actually a massive pool in here. And there were five colonnades or porticos. And our word would be porch. There are five porches that they that would have different things going on. It was at the sheep's gate. And the sheep's gate was a, a gate of commerce. And it's important to understand this because you need to get a full picture because it's hard to understand why Jesus did something and when he did it and all the details to it when you don't understand what it really looks like. So there was a lot of commerce going on on one end, but on the other end, there were lame, sick, paralyzed, right, and the blind. And so they were all piled in there in different colonnades, and they were piled into these porches. And that's the title of my message today. I know you're taking notes, which is great. Write down the porch. The porch is the title of my message today. And I want you to start asking yourself, what does my porch look like? Because that's a huge piece. And we're going to talk more about that in a second. But because back then, when, you, when we hear about the pool of Bethesda, and we hear about this angel uh, would come and stir the waters, and they would get healed, they didn't have hospitals. So if they didn't have hospitals, what do you do? And how do you get healthy? How do you get whole? How do you, how do you combat these little things like that? And so there's all these little issues. But so what they would do is they would send them down to the pool of Bethesda. And they would kind of make them and force them in right there and say, this is just your life now. This is how you are. You'd be a beggar. And so you'd have these only few options of what you could do. And so what was happening is they were creating a system around their dysfunction. So since I can't really find a way to heal or get healthy, healthy. I'm just going to create a system around this. And that's what I really want to talk to you about today. Because what they were doing is they had this system of people who were sick and lame and paralyzed. And then they could see everybody who was on the other side. And the other side was people who were doing business. They had commerce going. They had their lives happening. Kids were running and playing in the water. And it was a bunch of life happening at one end. And the other side, they were just surviving. And they were just trying to get through their joy at the end of each day is I lived another day. That was all. And it's sad when, be, when bad becomes good in your life. 
When, when you start to lower your expectations and hope to the level of your reality, when you start to see your life become th this, you don't, your expectations and hope aren't here anymore, but they're down here where you live, that's when you know you've hit the wrong place. Because they began to start creating. This guy had a bed, he had a pillow, he had all his stuff set up, and he had created a system around his affliction. And he was just trying to survive. And I'm trying to paint this picture for you because then we can understand what Jesus did and why he did it. Because when we understand this picture of these guys that are just sitting there and they're watching. Because it's one thing. See, part of the torture in this is it's one thing if you have an affliction, you have sorrow, you have pain. And, but, and you're down and everybody is down. Because down becomes the new up. Right? We're all down. So it doesn't matter because that's the new norm. I've created a new place of norm for myself. So that, let's just surround myself with people who are miserable just like me. You ever heard the phrase, misery loves company? Because they, they wanted just to stay and wallow in this. And Jesus came to change some things. He came to change the systems of dysfunction into strategies, strategies of success for your life. And so when Jesus showed up, he said, I want to get rid of the old religious system, and I want to give you a strategy of relationship. And so he constantly did this, and that's why he even healed on the Sabbath, because he wanted to break the old system, and he said, let me show you a new strategy. And so he shows up, right? And this guy who's been there for 38 years has created himself his own little system of dysfunction. And the torture for him is that it's not everybody around him that's just down, but he can see up. That's the real pain. Is it's when you're down, you can see that you can see how other people are living. And you when you're miserable, you can see other people happy. And that becomes part of the frustration. But now on the other side, I believe in exposure. I think exposure is one of the best things that every single person that's why we took everybody to Israel. We took them to Israel to expose them. I walked where Jesus walked. I preached where Jesus preached. I grabbed the dirt. I stood on the stone. I, I preached in the, the, the uh, church of uh, synagogue of Nazareth where Jesus was raised as a child. I was in the tomb that Jesus was laid, stood on the mountain of Golgotha where he was crucified. And I'm here to tell you today where I preached, where I walked, he's not in the tomb anymore. He's alive and he's resurrected and he's showing up not only at the pool of Bethesda, but he's showing up here for you today. And the reason exposure is so good is because of that testimony right there. How do you know how that life could be better if you've never seen that life? That's why in slavery, don't let them read because then they'll know that there's something better. If I can keep you captive and never see something better, never expose. That's why with the prison ministry, there's one of the prisons we work with that will go down there. And with a group, group of guys that are doing really well, we'll take them and we'll bring them to Top Golf. Or we'll take them to like a super fancy, really nice restaurant and pay for everything. And you want to know why? Exposure. Because then I can show them, look, I know your family only saw this. And all you've seen is abuse. And all you've seen is the wrong stuff. And all you've seen is your family go to prison, never go to college, never get farther in life. Let me expose you to a greater level of living. So I, I believe wholeheartedly. But part of that torture is if you're living there and you're not willing to get to there. Because what he had done is he then went from just observing other people. Now he's, he, he surrounded himself with people like him. It's like the blind man who said to the other blind man, I can't see, man. He said, I see what you're saying. 
right? We, 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 we want to surround ourselves with people. And a lot of times, be careful. I'm going to just speak to everybody in here. A lot of times, your connection with some of the people in your life will be because of the pain in your life and because of the issues and weaknesses in your life. And you'll be drawn to each other's weaknesses more than each other's strengths. That's why when you meet somebody who's a lot like you, you do what? Come on, somebody who's honest in here, you sinners. Like, we, we argue, right? We'll butt heads. Somebody who's strong-headed like me, sometimes that'll happen. Unless you've got some humility and grace in you, and you've got some comfort and strength in your leadership, you can be around other strong people. But the reason you butt heads sometimes is because you've got something strong in common, not because you have something weak in common. I watched a group of people. They went out one time. And I knew everybody individually, but they had never met each other. And they decided, hey, let's go all hang out. It would be fun to get to know each other. So they go hang out. They take a picture. I see all the picture. I see the different people. And I know what they don't know. I know all of their stories. And I know that the main common thread between all of them is that they all have serious trust issues with men. And the reason that they're together is mainly because of that. And because sometimes we just want, I want, I want to be, I'm going to surround myself with other blind people because it feels comfortable to be around people who suffer like me. And I'm going to be around people who are lame like me because I want to, I don't want to feel like somebody's better than me. And so I'm a, it's hard to, if you surround yourself with angry, bitter women, it's hard to be happy. <laughs> if you surround yourself with destructive, defeated men, it's hard to be an overcoming man. If you constantly surround yourself with the weaknesses rather than the strengths, you'll never find yourself in a better place. So find somebody different. Find a power relationship. Omar is a power relationship in my life. Chris is a power relationship in my life. I just made another friend, pro bowler Chris Harris. He's like, we're like this now. We're best friends. <laughs> and he's coming. He wants to come out and speak to the team and speak to the church. And he won a Super Bowl. I got to wear his Super Bowl ring. But I got to be exposed to that level because God brought me around somebody who was outside of my normal realm of living. And I stepped into a different place, a new place, and went and did something I've never done. And I got to meet people I've never met. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so when you we can give God some praise right there because I know you're wanting And I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm the, uh, the, the guy who did the little car toys where he's and he speaks so fast. I'm trying to get through this because there's so much to this message. But I want you to understand this because if you surround yourself with dysfunction, that's all you'll ever see and that's all you'll ever be. And they had created a system with it. He created a culture, a culture of just surviving. Can I just tell you that Jesus did not die on the cross and buried and rose again three days later so you could just survive on this earth, but that he died and poured out his spirit that you might succeed in this earth? Because surviving is not the calling of a believer. Succeeding is the calling of every believer. The, the surviving is not the calling of every church. Succeeding is the calling of every church. Surviving is not your job. It is your job to succeed with the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. And, and it, but we create our culture according to our affliction. And I wonder, the question may become then for some of us, is I wonder if we're a, we have an addiction to our affliction. You ever met somebody who just likes the drama? They, they feed off the pity. And they're looking for more. I used to have this guy who, we, you know, he was, he's a friend. <laughs> I, I need to be quick with this, but he, he, he was a friend and he would always sit, we'd take him and he'd hang out with us and, but he'd sit in the back seat and if ever, anything was wrong, you know, Emily and I'd be driving and we'd be talking and laughing and playing music, but if it got quiet, he'd, every once in a while you'd hear this, 
<sighs> and I knew what it meant because he wanted me to turn around and be like, oh, what's wrong? And I, <laughs> I'm like, I didn't want to do it. because, And then you wait a little while and he go, oh, oh, I mean, oh. And he did more and more and more. One time I finally looked at him and I said, dude, I am not here to pity you. I'm not here to make you feel comfortable and cozy. You need to wake up out of your little misery slump and get on your feet and become the man of God who called you to be. I'm tired of listening to your whining and complaining. Because there are people who like that. We just want, they want it. They want it. They want to come up and like, well, I just don't, you know. I don't get all the play in time. I like to get, oh, no, I won't go there. But I don't get all, you know, I don't have all the, what is it? What we just want to whine and complain. Rather than be challenged out of our place of pity into a place of power. Because pity will always keep you from true power. But when you live in power, you'll lose your pitiful self. Oh, somebody will praise God right there. That's the best I'm going to preach today. No, but when you have this, when you see this, that, that it, you have to get the reason I painted that picture. It took my time doing it because you have to understand what Jesus was about to do. Jesus then steps on the scene and he looks in. Think of all authority in heaven and in earth is in him. And he walks in and the Bible says, and he looked around and he saw the man lying there by the pool. And he knew he had been, uh, been lame for 38 years. And the question, right? The answer asked a question. The answer asked the question. I know you agree with me that Jesus is the answer. I know we understand that Jesus is the sovereign, omniscient God, who he is not just a product of God, but he is God in the flesh on earth. And he has and knows all things, and he is ready and prepared to do all things through Christ, right? He can do it for you. And he shows up and he asks a question. It's important to know that because this, if you, hear, if you don't understand who Jesus is, then when he asks this question, it seems like an unintelligent, stupid question. Because he says, do you want to be well? 38 years? Yeah, I want to be well. That was an obvious answer for anybody, right? But the reason he asked it is because of what he saw. The Bible says that he saw and he said, do you want to be made well? Because his actions weren't lining up with his words. And that's why sometimes some of us, our behavior isn't lining up with what we're saying. We say we want God to do this. We say we want God to heal us. We say we want God to minister. Oh, Lord, I'm losing all the amens. Nobody's clapping. Uh, we, I, we say we want this, but our behavior and our actions don't line up. That's why he looked at him and said, look, do you really want to be healed? Do you want me to, are you here to, don't bother me if you don't want to be healed. If you just want to, don't even pray. If you just want me to put you, keep you and make where you're at more comfortable and convenient in your system of dysfunction, don't pray to me. If you want healing, then come to me. You want deliverance, then answer me. You want my, me in your life, then I'm going to bring you out of darkness into light. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to put an air conditioner in your dysfunctional porch. I'm not going to lay out a nice little bed, give you a radio, a teddy bear, and a blanket and tell you everything's going to be all right. I am here to not make things convenient for you, but to challenge you out of a place of convenience and comfort and into a place of your calling. And that's, what he, that's why he said, do you? 
I'm tired of interrupting people that don't want to be changed. I'm tired of disturbing people who really don't want to be healed. You ever had that before? I just don't want to bother with people anymore who really don't want it. They say one thing, but they really don't want to be that thing. And a lot of people, Christians, we become good at that, don't we? Now, let me hear me on both sides of this. We're amen. We know how to amen, sing, praise God, hallelujah, use your voice, speak it. But that's just part of it. Your words have to line up with your actions. Don't just keep singing because even canaries can sing, but they're still in a cage. And you can still be in a cage and keep singing all you want until your actions decide to change something and say, okay, I'm tired of just saying it. I'm going to be it. Because this man was being called into a place of action by Jesus. And he was saying, time to step up. Time to become who I called you and created you to be. Time to stop living in this. And then what happens next? So he says, do you want to be made whole? In fact, the old translation, it says, wilt thou, there's some old King James, wilt thou be madest holeth, right? There you go. Wilt thou, you know, the reason he asked that is because he's, the reason he says it like that is because do, not only do you want to, but will you come into agreement? Do I have your permission to make you whole? Because some of us, we want God, we, we say one thing, right? But do we have, are we in agreement with the goodness that God is trying to bring? Are we in agreement with what the healing that he's wanting to bring? Because God wants to bring something new, a new relationship, a new blessing, a new life, a new hope, a new desire in you. But the moment some of us, because we've gotten in a system of such dysfunction, the moment something good tries to come in is the moment we hit the panic button and destroy the very good thing that he did bring into our life because when that good thing that new relationship comes in oh we can't trust it because we don't know if they're going to betray us just like the last person oh you know what we were right here before right before he did it again oh you know what we were this close last time and it happened again and we destroy the very good thing when did it happen that something good became bad in our life when did better stop looking good in our life that God wants to do something better but we can't even see that it's good and he couldn't and Jesus was saying, will you come into agreement with me? Will you come into agreement with what I'm trying to do? Will you come into agreement with how I'm trying to change Flagstaff? Will you come into agreement with the healing? Because he showed up at the pool of Bethesda. There were the lame, there were the sick, there were the paralyzed, there were the blind. And he, out of all of them, he called out one person. He said, will you come into agreement with me and what I am trying to do? And he's looking at you today and asking, will you come into agreement with what I'm trying to do? What, what is the name of your porch? Is it bitterness? What is the name of your porch? Is it jealousy? What is the name of your porch? Is it addiction? What is the name of your porch? Is it your pain and your suffering and your doubt and your insecurities? What is the name of your porch? Because Jesus is calling you off of your porch and into the pool of purpose. And God is trying to pull you out of that porch and, and stop sitting there on that rocking chair complaining. Because that's what happens next. Jesus says, will you come into agreement? And the first thing he says is, well, I would have, but because of what I didn't have, 
Isn't that what he starts? I didn't have the people. I didn't have the manpower because of what I didn't have, because I didn't grow up in a good home, because I didn't grow up with two sets of, because I didn't grow up with healthy parents, because I didn't grow up on the right side of the tracks, because I didn't grow up white, black, or brown, because I didn't grow up with a family that was all put together, because I didn't grow up from money, because I didn't have, because I didn't have, that's why I am the way I am. And if you keep predicting your future off of your past problems, you will never be free today to become who God's called you to be tomorrow. And God is saying, time to let go of your excuses of you didn't get enough cookies and you didn't get enough hugs when you were young. And it's time to own up, man up, and become who you were created and called to be. And that's the powerful thing. Oh, church, can I preach? Can I preach, church? He is the living manifestation of God in the earth. Standing before him. And the first words out of his mouth after he says, do you want to be made whole as well? I... I just didn't have all the stuff that everybody else did. When are we going to let go of the past? When are we going to cut the ties with our excuses? Because your destiny is right on the other side of that fence you call excuses. And if you keep allowing it to become the barrier rather than a gate into your purpose, you will continue to be frustrated. You will continue to live in a system of survival, and survival is not for you. God didn't create you to just do okay, to just do do well in your life, to win a little bit, have some goods, wins, and losses here. No, he created you to be victorious, to go from glory to glory and to continue to be the powerful manifestation of God in the earth as a representation of who he is. And God is calling you to own up and say, let go of those. But then he also says this. He's, he didn't just say, hey, well, because I didn't have it. He says, well, every time I tried, every time I tried, isn't that our number one thing? I, I tried to go to church. But the kids were yelling again. I, I tried to, to put, I tried, I tried. There's only doing and not doing. And when it comes to living in the kingdom, there's no trying. There's no lukewarm Christians. He'll spew, spew you out. There's either yes or there's no. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. There's no trying. There's only doing. And him just saying, well, I tried. Well, I tried to live for God. I tried to put my marriage back together. I tried to have some more friends. I tried to, con- I tried to connect with people. I tried, I tried. Stop saying I tried. God is done with the I tried season of your life. And he's ready for a now and a such a time as this to call you out of your excuses. And to start saying, okay, God, I want to be healed. I want to be made well. I'm done with trying. I want to do. I want to see this move in my life. I want to see something happen. Josh, will you come and join me? I want to see this happen in my life. God, I want you to do this. Am I, who am I preaching to today? That God is speaking to you saying, time to call you out into a greater purpose. You've been living in a place of survival. Survival is not enough. Somebody say, survival's not enough. Come on, say it again. Survival's not enough. Come on, say it again. Survival's not enough. It has to become a cry within you that I will not just survive on this earth, but I will thrive in my success because of the strategy in which God has called me to be. I'm going to live in that. I'm going to live in that. It's time for churches to stop surviving and start succeeding. It's time for our city to stop 
striving and surviving and start succeeding. It's time for our state and our government. It's time for our nation. It's time for the people of God to stop living a pathetic, spineless brand of Christianity that's impotent and has no power and step out with full authority with Christ in them and say now is the time to not just survive but to succeed. And God is calling us into that to let go of our excuses, to let go right of all of what we didn't have. 38 years. 38 years. Now, even if the Bible talks about that the angel would come down and stir the pool, and he would stir the pool, and when he stirred the pool, you could jump in and get healed. Right? Say he did it only once a year. He had 38 chances. And when after the first time, that means he had 364 days to inch his little butt all the way over to that water line to say, I will position myself to get ready for what God is about to stir in my life, even if I got to take baby steps. And that's what many of us look like. We got to stop living on the sideline of life and making excuses. And God's calling us to say, it's time to even take baby steps. Even if you're just inching your way towards my purpose, my destiny, my healing for you, every step, Josh, help me out every step is a step of healing every step is a step of purpose every step is a step of faith every step is a step of promise every step is saying God I'm serious my actions are lining up with my words in 38 years he could have crawled his way there he could have rolled his butt over he wasn't paralyzed he was lame that means he could have done it but he chose not to do it because he was comfortable in his system of survival. And I'm good with just over here. I'm good with Flagstaff never really having a big breakthrough. I'm, I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm okay with never winning a title. I'm, a, I'm okay as long as we just do good and get out there and have fun. Who the heck are you talking about or talking to? And what Bible are you reading? Because my Bible says that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And I'm called to be victorious. And I'm called to be the head, not the tail. And I'm called to be delivered and healed and freed of the Lord. Because the Bible says, let the freed, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on, if you believe that, put your hands together and give God 10 seconds of praise in this place. Thirty-eight years. Some of y'all have been doing this, and 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 you've been inching your way, and you've been walking your way, and God's every step. Now I'm not hating on the steps; you're taking steps, and God is saying, "Okay, you're getting close, and getting close, and you can feel you're getting close, and you can feel like it's almost there." Do I? Where is that happening? Where is it happening for me? What is it? I feel like I'm almost there, and God's saying, "The word for you today is get ready to jump in because I'm stirring the waters for you. Uh, your healing, your promise, your answer has shown up at the pool you've been waiting at, and I'm ready to walk right." with you into the pool and God is calling you into a place of greatness and destiny to say now is your time not somebody else's time I'm tired of watching somebody else oh I tried but every time somebody just got right in front of me I tried to get that promotion but somebody else got it 
are, do you want it bad enough to offend somebody else? Do you want what God has for you to not be polite for one second and to start marching your way forward and say, you got to make room. And just like the woman who pushed her way through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment, are you ready to push your way, fight your way, claw your way, offend somebody, cut somebody off and say, now is my time. Now is my time. Shout it, church. Now is my time. Now is my time. This is, a, this is your year. Don't wait for 2021. This is your year. Why not make it? Why not you? Why not this year? Why not now? God is saying, now it's time. And I don't mind offending anybody to get what I know God has for me. I'm going to keep marching forward and I'm going to unapologetically build the kingdom of God. That's why we started four services because we need to make more room. And I'm just taking steps to get to the place of promise that God has for me because he's stirring something. And all I need to do is just keep being faithful and I'm going to make my way there. That's why we're remodeling the building because we're going to make some room for what God is about to do. And in your life, you got to keep doing the same thing and taking those steps just like Lazarus coming out of the grave you got to say Lord I'm coming out I'm coming out Lord and I'm coming through and I'm coming straight to the pool of my purpose come on church let's give God some praise because this is your year of purpose this is your year of favor this is your year of destiny and healing God's gonna do it